Hello, everyone. I'm Trent Luce. Welcome to another edition of Rural Route to the program where we gather every day at this time. Well, Monday through Friday, anyway. And what we do when we gather is continue to address the issues between food producers and food consumers. My calendar says, I don't think I even have a calendar yet. I know it's Thursday. That means Amanda Radke's out and about somewhere in the world joining us to stimulate the minds. Where are you, Amanda? I am in Altoona, Iowa, and I had to think oh. about it for a second because I never know the day or where I'm supposed to be. So I don't see a slot machine behind you. Why, why aren't you playing slots while we're doing this? Well, you know, I did get in about 2.30 a.m. last night, so I probably could have just went straight out and hit the town, huh? Aren't you at the casino? No, I haven't seen a single casino. Is there a big casino here? You're in Altoona, Iowa. In a casino, and you don't know where the casino is. I don't. I don't tend to seek out casinos, Trent. Do you know what I gamble on? Cows. All, all meetings in Iowa at Altoona are at the casino, unless you can prove me wrong. <laughs> okay, I'll report back this evening when I actually get to the event. This is going to be hysterical. It, oh, you're not staying where you're speaking. Well, I was going to, but I made a last-minute decision oh. yesterday to drive early, and they were booked, so I'm at a different hotel today. Okay, so, now yeah. it makes sense, because I'm wondering how you check into a casino without knowing you're at a casino. That's like nope. the silliest thing I've ever heard. But like I said, I gamble with cows, so I don't need to gamble with a, a shiny slot machine that jingles at me. <laughs> You need a little more jingle in your life. Christmas is coming. Santa is on the way. But you know what? Scarlett, my eight-year-old, she wrote her letter to Santa. And, you know, all the boys are writing toys. And her letter was, um, Santa, can you please tell Jesus to come back soon and take sin away from this world? So there you go. Oh, my goodness. That girl must be hearing too much from her mother that's not positive. Um, maybe, or maybe she understands that we live in a broken world and she knows that Jesus Christ, not Elon Musk or any politician, is our true savior here on earth. It might be that guy, Zelensky. Maybe he's the real it, deal. It could be. Could be. There, we're just one one election away from from everything getting squared away. But yeah, I think we're one, we're one day away from everyone opening up their Bibles and finding where the, the real solution is. One day in the sense of God's creation, because one day could be like, you know, a thousand years. God can do anything in 24 hours. I know. The whole world just opened up a Bible on the same day. It would transform the planet. Yes. And I could go to the casino and win a million bucks in one day, too. Amanda, <laughs> that's not going to happen. The whole world is not going to open a Bible. We are fighting the forces to keep us from opening the Bible, which, by the way, that was why I was being tongue-in-cheek with a guy named Zelensky. He is the part of the evil movement. So, you know, uh, the very first real speaking engagement I had, do you know where that was? Was it here? Iowa Cattlemen. It wasn't in Altoona. It was downtown Des Moines, but it was Altoona. Really? Or no, it was Iowa Cattlemen. Yeah, absolutely. In, and in December on a very cold day. Wow. What year was that? 2002. 2002. So I would have been a a 14-year-old kid, mm -hmm. probably doing a speech, America's Beef Cattle, the true unsung heroes that I went and did Beef Ambassador with, that you heard, and that you told me I should go be a professional speaker. 
Yep. There you go. And all, here we it's are. All circular, huh? Um, you know why I remember it was 2002 because it was the same year that I started my little uh, dance with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He had hosted his uh, Clear Lake Iowa Hog Summit that year. And so I proceeded for eight consecutive weeks in 2002 to shadow him wherever he went. I was shadow banning before people knew what shadow banning was, because every time he went somewhere to speak, I was sitting in the front row. He started introducing me. That's where our yeah. charade That's not began. Shadow banning. That's stalking, Trent. <laughs> I think shadow banning. But either way, we now brag about stalking or Super going stalker. viral, all those things that we thought were taboo. Now we try to do. You were the OG. You just did it on foot and not on the computer. What's an OG? Like an original. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Right up keeping you around for translation and all these things. You know what? The sad thing is I got a 20-year-old kid that works on the ranch with us, and I don't know any of the slang that he says now either, so he has to try to keep me cool. Oh, my goodness. The it's world is changing. If you got to have a younger youngster keeping you cool. It's bad out there. It's rough. Yeah. So uh, a lot of things happened this week in my world as it involves medical freedom. Have you been paying attention to any of that? Well, I have seen a little bit of some news coming out of your camp, but I think while we're talking medical freedom and before you change the subject, you forgot to say you came full circle with the man that you were stalking in 2002. I think you should tell people how you ultimately became friends with Robert Kennedy. So... Yeah, absolutely. I thought that he represented all things evil. And on many things, we 80% of the things we probably agree today, it's a typical 80-20 relationship. 20% where we don't agree, we don't really don't agree. But it was in um, 2020, thanks to COVID, that uh, we were able to come together on our differences. And I've had him on an interview for an hour. He actually referenced me in a column talking about agriculture and uh, we communicate from time to time now because we recognize the real enemy is within not us within the united states government and that leads right into what we're talking about because this whole movement for medical freedom is what brought us together on speaking terms see now isn't that something though you know i i look at some of our conservative politicians and i hold them to such a high standard, which we should with all of our elected officials. But if they do one thing that I don't agree with, I either worry they're controlled opposition or they're bought out or they're not really conservatives. Um, how much grace do we give these politicians if they agree with us 80% of the time? I you know, know, that's a great discussion because I see the other side happening more often. In fact, I had a conversation with Sebastian Ertel about this, who just got beat in his state race in North Dakota. And he said he sees it all the time. He saw it as a, an elected official. If you come out pro-life, uh, if you come out pro-Second Amendment, and people don't know anything else about your voting record, don't know anything else about what you believe in, just mm -hmm. because you're on the right side of one issue, they'll go and put a check by your name even in a primary, without researching who they really are or does their voting record match their rhetoric, which often that's that's the case. So I see it more on the other side 
then where you're talking about, well, that one, that elected official made one bad move and you got a governor that that's a great example for right there. Mm -hmm. She makes one bad move and you want to write her off. You didn't write her off because you did a little campaign for her, but I'm just using her as an example because she's done some things. I, I don't hold her in the same respect I once did because of what she did with 30 by 30 and her caving on conservation easements. But to your point, that's a great point in discussion. Yeah, I think in that in that case, you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You just hold them accountable and you make sure you're having more conversations. You need to show up back at her office and revisit the conversation, Trent. Did you, did you just say the baby pooped in the bathwater? Is that what you just said? I did not say the baby pooped <laughs> in the bathwater. That's what I heard. I'm a mother of four. All of my references are going to be like kid related, of course. Why kid related over cows? Um, aren't they the same thing? They're all animals. No, they're not the same thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot. We the cannot. Actual... We yeah, cannot humanize the bovines. Don't, but don't be can... anthropomorphizing right here, live and in living color. Okay, well, I will say my children are feral, so take that for what it is. That is a quote that I'm going to pull out and make sure it lives in infamy. Amanda Radke's <laughs> children are feral. It's Roll Route. Trent Luce, Amanda Radke in Altoona, Iowa. About to drop some money in the slot machine. We'll be back with more after this. Right off the bat today, we want to talk about the certified Piedmontese opportunity. That's what it is for Great Plains cattlemen, an opportunity to capture more of the consumer's food dollar. If you would like to get details about how to accomplish that, then go to the website LoneCreekCattleCo.com. I'm going to just warn you, it's not laid out there. But what you will find there is a phone number on who to call to get more information about the certified Piedmontese contract. That means that you buy, you don't buy, you can buy bulls, you can lease bulls, or you can AI your cows to the Piedmontese sires. Your cows, whatever your cow makeup is, we can't use longhorn, sorry about that. Then you sell the calves back to Lone Creek, and you are a part of the supply chain for certified Piedmontese. You want to look at the end product, or possibly you want to buy some and see what this advantage is and tenderness. Then you go to the website, certifiedpiedmontese.com. There are a tremendous number of holiday specials taking place there now. It's just all about awareness and know what the opportunities are, and you as a cattleman getting more of the consumer's food dollar. Two places, LoneCreekCalico.com or CertifiedPiedmontese.com. Welcome back. Roll route. Amanda Radke in Iowa, somewhere in Iowa. Trent Lewis going the other way. I'm going to try to get to the Rocky Mountains today. Loveland anyway. Might be a drift between here and there, so we'll see how that goes. How are your roads getting to Des Moines? Well, right away, it was pretty slick, but I've traveled through way worse. The wind wasn't blowing and the snow was coming down straight. So it was it was okay. And then from I left Mitchell and I got to Salem, about Salem to Sioux Falls. It was clear. Um, and then I headed south of Sioux Falls and immediately hit black ice. And we had semi-trucks tipped over on their side. Some major, major wrecks and tons of traffic. Little cars bebopping around that I wish weren't. Um, but uh, yeah, then it, I mean... Once I got a little further south, there was nothing. So today, supposedly, the wind is supposed to pick up pretty good. Uh, we'll see what we'll see what the day brings and how accurate the weatherman actually is. 
The wind is the issue between me and where I'm supposed to be. The drifts continue to come. And I, I haven't checked in the last hour, but I believe Interstate 80 is still closed from North Platte West to Cheyenne. So, all right, enough of a weather traffic report. Okay. Well, we pray for the, the livestock producers and the linemen and all the people who have to be outside in this this weather. It is, it is tough out there. So stay safe, drive slow, get your supplies, and uh, hunker down if you can. But I totally derailed you. I want yeah, you but really I want to now stay hooked where you what you just brought up. Okay. The linemen are the unsung heroes in this entire power energy complex. And yeah. obviously it's fresh on my mind because I went to Bismarck State two weeks ago when I was in Bismarck. Bismarck State College uh, has a, a line worker program that is second to none. They just completed a $6 million indoor facility. So on days that the, it's absolutely unbearable, these men and women, there are women now in these programs, a couple in each class, uh, have the indoor facility to learn safety. I got a little quiz for you. Okay. When electricity and line, we started stringing power lines across the country for transmission of electricity. Before we really understood electricity, obviously, what was the percentage death rate with people working as linemen? I have no idea. One in three. Are you kidding me? No, that's what Bill Geezer told me. And there's a book to document it. Wow. Wow. Now, that's a major wow. Well, how's that for a sales pitch? You could have a career as a lineman. And how much? But think about that. Because survival. today, if you have, uh, well, in fact, uh, we're going to talk about some of this. Dr. Eric Naputi joined me. Uh, in an interview last night live that'll air as Trent on the Loose Monday. And he was talking about the statistics. If you had the COVID jab, what the statistics are that you're going to be dealing with COVID and a near-death experience. We have all of those statistics at our hand because we have a computer, we have the internet. In 1940, you couldn't check the internet to see, I'm thinking about being a lineman. They're going to pay $2.50 a day. That's a really good wage. I wonder, I better go see what the fatality rate is. They have no idea. Yeah, that's true. Wow. And to take that full circle, today the linemen, you ever think about this? You, you see them working on a line and they're putting a new pole in, but yet your electricity never even flickers? Yeah. They change all those poles out with live wires. It was an incredible hour I spent with Bill. I, it was just, I can't speak highly enough of all the linemen. So thank you to the linemen. Yes, thank you. Without the power, things just don't keep a humming. There, there's, there's the best quote you've ever made on the air. Without the power, <laughs> things just don't keep a humming. And just prolific stuff this morning. I'm running on like three hours of sleep, man. Yeah. Clearly documenting you don't need much sleep to keep the power running up there. I can even hear the humming from here. Oh, man. It's... <laughs> anyway, you and Kevin Jenkins are up to some stuff. So there's a, a little education curve in this. I did not know, and you got to be honest with me. Did you know, when I said America's frontline doctors, what do you think of? Uh, about a dozen doctors in white coats standing on some steps and talking about how our medical freedom was at stake and our government were, were acting tyrannical. Absolutely. Did you know that America's frontline doctors 
is an actual nonprofit nonprofit organization with a founder. I just never paid attention. I knew that they had a website and that there was kind of a landing space to learn more with resources, but I I never paid attention to the structure. Yeah, see, I didn't I did not either. And I thought that America's frontline doctors was just the the movement, you know, like another term for medical freedom. When in fact, I now learn that America's frontline doctors was founded by Dr. Simone Gold, who is no longer involved, and Joey Gilbert, current leadership of America's Frontline Doctors, asked, because of this transition, asked uh, Kevin Jenkins to lead a committee, form a committee, ask him to form a committee, and then lead a 90-day review of the organization and make suggestions on how the organization goes forward to remain committed to its original purpose to make sure that people who are contributing to this understand that America's Frontline Doctors, the organization, will continue to provide uh, consumers, the, the patients, I don't know what you call that term, but people who trust the medical profession for true health and wellness instead of the hijacked system that the insurance companies and assistance with the federal government have been a part of when you go to one of the name brand hospitals, which one in your home state could be at the top of the list of a problem. But don't worry about what their problems are. Make sure that we have an organization that continues to be a leader in telehealth medicine, continues to be a leader in interventions that actually work and generating the science and getting it to people. So this week on Tuesday, one of the things I missed because of bad weather and my flight was canceled, but Kevin Jenkins led a press conference. And I got to tell you, even though he's a long friend and I, I just think of him as a brother, he did an amazing job in his press conference. He just really laid it out there like he should. And um, we are in the process of doing a review of this organization and making recommendations to remain relevant. Well, rewind a second. Okay, back up. You're, you're really getting soft on me if you're booking flights. Why didn't you just drive? To Vegas? Yes. Because of other commitments? Um, okay, well, there was your first mistake. You just get on that pony and you hit the road, you know? Okay, well, Tuesday. Here, okay, Miss Smarty Pants. Tuesday, Monday, I was very fortunate to attend the Cross Diamond Bull Sale in Bertrand, Nebraska. And I witnessed generosity and a love for community like never. Where's my like, video of that, by the way? I need to oh share. Oh, yeah, I have, a, I have a video of that. A bull bringing $7,500 in the ring. Two other families generating money, including the Gable family, excuse me, Cable family from Halfway, Missouri, who donated $2,000 in memory of their late 15-year-old son, Cash Cable, and uh, Cody Beesler, who, uh, Bessler, sorry. Oh, no, it's Kessler. Sorry about that, Cody. Cody Kessler, who ran 132 miles in the month of November, and every mile he ran on the ranch in Stapleton, Nebraska, north of Stapleton, Nebraska, he had a donation. He generated $2,500. So that one wow. bull at Cross Diamond sold for roughly, well, the bull sold for $7,500, but the day generated roughly $12,000 for the All-American Beef Battalion. Amanda, that's only half the story. Okay. Kathy Blair, John Fort, and the rest of the All-American Beef Battalion crew were at the Oklahoma City Stockyards on Monday where they sold a calf and rolled it over. 
$70,000 went to the All-American Beef Battalion. So Monday alone was an $82,000 day for the All-American Beef Battalion simply because the vision of Bill Brody to provide a one-pound ribeye to these men and women and a handshake to say thank you. And the generosity continues. Wow. That was Monday. Tuesday, I was supposed to be in Las Vegas at 1 o'clock for a press conference. Wednesday, I was supposed to be in Grand Island, Nebraska for a, a racing commission meeting. Got canceled. Today, I'm supposed to be in Loveland, Colorado. So this is why I'm not flying or driving to Vegas. This is why I attempted to fly. Okay, so your week's just been rough, but the All-American Beef Did that sound like a whine? Did I sound like I was whining? I was just telling you, explaining, just why am I justifying to you my travel plan? was just a going. It was just a going. But, okay, folks need to go check out stakesfortroops.com if they would also like to support Bill Brody's legacy and mission. He's got an amazing team of volunteers who are keeping the battalion rolling. They are serving the stakes to the troops so that they know that we appreciate them. And $1 of every book of my children's book, Faith, Family, Freedom, also goes to that organization. I'm getting ready to write my my big annual check here. In a For week. the record, Scott and Kim Ford donated 100% of the proceeds of that bull that sold not 1%. We'll be back with more Roller Out. Amanda Radke, Trent Lewis after this. The harvest continues to be on the front lines, getting you the information. And again, I missed... Contribution Tuesday. Are you giving every Tuesday to protect the harvest? It's Well, you should at least one Tuesday. I'm just saying because the information that is provided and the empowerment that takes place is what keeps America free and fed. Details at protecttheharvest.com. Welcome back. Trent Lewis alongside Amanda Radke, Roll Route Radio. Thanks for joining us. All right, so that was we a were, rundown on America's frontline doctors' questions. I, and I've been doing all the talking. I bring no, you on I here do, so I can I just push buttons question. and talk, not talk. Well, you see, I'm doing the classic move where I don't let the host lead the show and I take you where I want to go instead. Yeah. So I think we should go back to talking about the frontline doctors. I, I don't think a lot of people know, or if they don't realize, Kevin Okay, James, forget that. Let's talk about South Dakota and the marijuana law. <laughs> I'm no, kidding. <laughs> I'm talking about Kevin now. And then we're talking about China. Stay oh, on whatever. Here. If Kevin's involved, we got to talk about Kevin. No, okay, I mean, what about let's Kevin? Him in. Let's wake him up right now. So, He's in so, California. <laughs> oh, so Kevin is, a lot of people don't realize this, but he is like the most banned person in America. Uh, he was named as, by the White House press conference, or press secretary, as the nation's dirty dozen. Him and 11 other people were labeled as misinformation creators or disseminators, whatever you want to call them. The, the dirty dozen is what they called them. And it was essentially an attack on free speech and people just genuinely asking questions during the pandemic. And Kevin's been proven right over and over and over again. He has never abandoned um, his mission to provide medical freedom, transparency, uh, true uh true medical attention that people need and giving people options so that they feel confident when they go to the doctor. So I think he's perfect for this. Uh, he's a champion for this. If people haven't heard him speak, just go search his name on Rumble and uh, you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. You just wonder why I don't compliment you that much, just Kevin. No, I know why. 
You you give me tough love advice. Kevin gives me encouraging, loving advice when I call him. So yeah, he's the favorite right now. But but he's the perfect for balancing all of these things because he's not afraid to say what needs to be said. Yep. He's got a passion for true health, mm-hmm. and uh, what he's doing at the Zelenko Foundation is absolutely incredible. And that's why they ask him to come in and be an advisor on how to keep America's frontline doctors relevant. My kids love his gummies, by the way, from the Zelenko site. Oh, I don't have those. Well, you'd like them too. They taste like candied pineapples. No, oh, I knew I'm not a pineapple fan. Oh, well, then don't buy these. Yeah. <laughs> but that leads us into, and, and I got to give credit to Andrew Henderson, my comrade on Across the Pond, because I knew this was taking place, but I hadn't really zeroed in on it. And Andrew found it over the past weekend that Dr. Eric Naputi, a medical doctor from St. Louis, who's been the last three years out there with the the America's Frontline Doctors, with Dr. Molly James, with Dr. Ted Fogarty, continuing to take on the establishment. And Mm -hmm. he is the first doctor to have a lawsuit filed against him from the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, And the lawsuit states that he violated the COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act. Do you know what he did to violate that act? No. On his website, he proposed that people should take vitamin D and zinc. Awesome. And that is a criminal charge. Actually, I don't believe there's criminal charges involved. It's a civil penalty and they are taking him to court. And Eric Naputi said in our conversation last night several things, but one that he's already spent $3.5 million defending this. And all he now wants is his day in court because he wants the world to see that a doctor, a medical doctor who focuses on health and wellness, giving the suggestion to improve your immune system that you take vitamin D and zinc. And the Federal Trade Commission is coming after him, trying to put him out of business. That summarizes where we're at right now. What is the COVID Consumer Protection Act? I don't even know what that is. Or whatever I can't you tell it. you I know what the language is either. But I, I, I assume, well, we won't assume. We'll look it up on a break. But I'm sure it was an act that was put forth in probably 2020, 2021, trying to protect patients from misinformation wow close the gyms close the small businesses close ban all the the supplements that could keep you healthy don't let you go outside to get sunshine uh stifle your oxygen intake by wearing a mask everywhere you go it's just a recipe for sickness it's just unbelievable and and not only i agree 100 everything you just said And people are still willing to just comply and do it. I cannot believe the number of people every single day that want to stay six feet away that are wearing a mask when they do that and don't understand that they've been lied to. It's sad, really, like the the amount of propaganda and the the damage that's been done to people's psychology from the last couple of years. Like I just constantly have to remind myself when I'm out traveling, like people are really hurting from the last couple of years. And it, it was It was our government and the media arm um, that perpetuated this fear. Um, I mean, not to say that there weren't weren't lives lost in the last couple of years, but 
we can't live in a state of fear. We can't fear other human beings. We can't pit human beings against each other. God did not ask us to live in a state of fear. And he certainly did not call on us to avoid each other like, like they're lepers. I mean, it's, it's sad. I, I want my kids to love everyone not because of their medical status. They can decide who they, who they want to be around and who not. And, uh, life has changed significantly in the last couple of years. And our kids think it's normal. Well, mine don't. Cause I ripped them away mm. and kept them on the ranch. No, no, there's nothing close to what you or I grew up in. Well, that's true. All but I will say my kids still think that only robbers wear masks. So yeah. <laughs> They're probably one of the very few in the country. I still think that way. I, I will never forget the first time I was told to put a mask on. I was it was May of 2020. Landry and I was Landry was out of school because of what you were just talking about. She was in school virtually with me delivering pigs in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Florida, Texas, or not Texas, uh, Kentucky, and North Carolina. And we walk in a gas station. I walk in a gas station exactly like this in Pennsylvania. The kid at the counter just looks at me. Eyes get real big. You got to get a mask on. I mean, it was like I just walked in throwing flames. And so I took my mask. I did this. That's all I did. And he's like, oh, okay, thank you. And I looked at him and I said, I've never asked. I've never been asked to come in into an establishment looking like a bank robber. He said, well, that's the rules. And we got to have safety. I'm like, oh my goodness, that was May of 2020, first weekend of May of 2020. To answer your previous question, because we're here to provide solutions and identify problems. The COVID-19 Consumer Protection Act of 2021 basically says, for the duration of the COVID-19 Public Health Emergency Declaration Pursuit of Section 319 of the Public Health Service Act, I don't need all those numbers. This act makes it unlawful under Section 5 of the Federal Trade Commission Act for any person, partnership, or corporation to engage in a deceptive act or practice in affecting commerce associated with the treatment, cure, prevention, mitigation, or diagnosis of COVID-19 or a government benefit related to COVID-19, the act provides that such a violation shall be treated as a violation of the rule defined as unfair or deceptive act of practice prescribed under Section BS. Wow. Even the major hospitals in South Dakota had a whole sheet, if you got COVID, of, of supplements you should take and how you should take care of yourself. So is there more to this story that they're throwing the book at this particular doctor? There's always more to the story. Well, I want to hear it. Well, we're going to have to get it, but you bring up a great point. I guarantee you Sanford had that list of, of suggestions. We need to find that. I'll forward it to Dr. Eric and the Pooty. I've this got is it. Never I'll gonna, send it to you. I, that's I have perfect. It. But this is a classic case, Amanda, where it's never going to go to trial because they can't afford this stuff to leak into the public. They're going to, They're trying to scare this guy. It's no different than a lawsuit that Kelly and I are in the middle of right now. They just want to make it so uncomfortable that you cave and you say, no more, just go away. He's not going to go away. And He's then in turn, you hear every other doctor too that, oh, I better not do anything. And then how can doctors give true medical treatment if they're just scared 
of, of repercussions when they, they know what we need to thrive. I, you know, that's been my longest asked question. I ask myself, there are great people that decide they're going to go into the health and well-being field, either nurses, PAs, doctors, whatever the case may be. And they've been asked to lie to people. I wonder how long until the majority of them just crack and say, I can't do it anymore. I've got friends. I got friends that I respect like you can't believe that long ago, Kim Stumer, best example I know of long ago, she said, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to cave. I'm not going to lie to people. I'm not going to do what I don't think is healthy for my own body. And she's not nursing now. She literally got fired because she took a stand. When is that going to become a common I have tons of friends exiting the medical field right now and the education field. I think COVID, COVID's a blessing in disguise though, Trent, because we're seeing the cracks in our infrastructure and our systems and people have a choice now. Just go with the status flow and accept those cracks or, hey, I'm going to step outside of that system and I'm going to create a new system. What we're going to have is parallel economies, parallel education, parallel medical systems. And it's hard. I mean, I've stepped out and created a new education path for my kids. And you've been on the phone with me and I have a lot of days where I'm really struggling with it, where it it is the hardest thing I will ever do. And yet my why is so strong that no, I have to stick to the course. I know why I made this choice. I got to work out the kinks. And like you told me on the phone earlier this week, the only person that can fix my problems is me looking in the mirror. It's, it's myself. And that's, we, I think that's this is the time we're in right now. It calls for bravery, calls for boldness. It calls for testing your actions against the Holy Spirit and making sure that it is actually aligned with your faith and then following through and being obedient to the Lord, even when it's not what you want to do because it's uncomfortable. I I think that's where we're at. And there's a separation happening in this country and around the world. And that's what we're seeing. We're all out. We're back with more Amanda Radke in the final segment after this. Now time to talk about power. Absolutely. Amanda nailed it. We talk about electricity, the reliable source of electricity. Two things, natural gas, but in this case, I want to talk about coal. Lignite Energy Council has put together the best. There is nothing even close to what Lignite has done to focus on the people that recover the coal, reclimate the land after the fact, and turn it into electricity. It is incredible. I'm just telling you, and it's a the public testament of people doing what people need. Details at lignite.com. Watch these videos. You'll see what I mean. Welcome back. Trent Luce alongside Amanda Radke. Did you see Paco in that last picture? I did. There's a lot of good memories from that last break, those clips. You've never met Paco? No. I was talking about the, the tour and the bus and the people. I was about and Paco, my mule. I mean, nice mule. Which leads me to what my frustration of the week has been. It dawned on me that Kawasaki tried to steal the, the whole core of what a mule. They named a machine with tires and an engine. A mule. How can they do that? I don't know. I'm not going to. It's got to be some that. violation. Because I told the people on the internet, Trent, that the whole theme of the show 
was going to be China. We're in the fourth segment. We haven't talked about China once. <laughs> How did this well, I'm happen? I'm talking about mules. So just try to pull me away from it. Because well, Marty summarized off, it best. Hop on that mule because we're headed hey, to China to talk Marty about. Marty summarized it best. He said, yeah. And by the way, when they both break down, one of them will feed you. <laughs> Marty Beard. I want Marty to come on Thursdays and be my co-host. You can Good you luck. can be there or not. I don't care. I need Marty. Next Thursday, you got your wish. Okay. Make it happen. Okay. So, so I see your governor creating a lot of noise about China. And referencing a, the great work of Beck News and the China Conquest. What's going on up there in South I mean, Dakota? Yeah, if if you guys haven't watched the segments on Beck about China, remind me the name again. China Conquest, the untold stories. Everybody needs to go watch that series. Um, but yeah, South Dakota, Christy Nome, she's She has an agenda right now, and it's interesting to watch. Um, within the last couple of weeks, she has gone on a full anti-China Crusades. So she started with banning TikTok for all state employees on the phone. Um, and she also is, let me just make sure I say it right. Um, she is giving the South Dakota Investment Council until December 15th to review its investment portfolio and divest any links to the Chinese economy. And just this week, she announced plans for legislation that's going to limit foreign purchases of ag land in South Dakota. Um, the bill is going to be presented um, by Representative uh, Gary Kamak, Kim, I don't know, it's Kamak, and Senator Aaron Tobin. Thank you, Tobin. Um, and it would create a committee on foreign investment in the United States and would review certain foreign transactions that overlap with national security. And I'll just mm -hmm. quick say um, what Christy said. She said, with this new process, we will be able to prevent nations who hate us, like communist China, from buying up our state's agricultural land. We cannot allow the Chinese Communist Party to continue to buy up our nation's food supply. So South Dakota will lead the charge on this vital national security issue. So the, the interesting part about that is that apparently China does not currently own farmland or ranch land in South Dakota. No, I heard on the radio. been piling it up at every, in every other state. No, I heard on the radio yesterday they reported that like 1% of the land in South Dakota is foreign owned. So that's not, it's not a significant amount. Um, but the fact that it's happening all across the country, like in places like Oklahoma, mm -hmm. um, it's pretty, pretty troubling. Well, and that article also referenced Ellsworth Elf Air Force Base. At, was that New Underwood or just east of Rapid City? Yeah. But um, you, you have the Fufang situation, which is what brought the whole Beck series of China conquests to the forefront. Mm -hmm. But in North Dakota, 12 miles from the uh, Air Force Base, you have Fufang, a Chinese-owned milling outfit. In Nebraska, 17 miles north of Offutt Air Force Base, you have another uh, Fufang, Chinese-owned entity. When I was at Del Rio, Texas, Laughlin Air Force Base in Del Rio, 17 miles away. I don't know why these numbers just seem to be consistent. Uh, you have a China-owned 132,000-acre contiguous ranch with two landing strips. And I might also remind people that the Texas border, not the Texas border, the Texas National Guard folks who gave me a tour said that there's been an acceleration of Chinese people illegally crossing the border in the last six months. 
So even though don't it's not pertinent the, to South, forget what? Oh, don't forget the Chinese police stations in like New York City. And isn't that a thing? Yeah, it is. All right. I, I didn't well, mean to interrupt. It's not, a, it's not a police station, but China went out of their way to say that they're going to put their own police force in New York City to make sure that the Chinese people have law and order in New York City. That happened within the last year. So you can't escape communism if you're a Chinese citizen, no matter where you go, huh? So two weeks ago tomorrow, when I was in Bismarck with Derek Bolova, who was a CEO of Back News, he lived in China for nearly 20 years, Asian country. So he's lived it up close and personal. And I don't know that you heard the statement or not, but Derek, Derek has told it numerous times now. He had a colleague in China that said that the plan is that within 100 years, your grandchildren will be speaking Mandarin. So all of a sudden, all this is coming to light, like the Chinese are posturing to let us know that they have a huge presence here, which we've always known. I mean, so many of our goods and so many of the toys underneath the Christmas tree are from China. And uh, I, I mean, they control so much of what we do in the United States. Uh, so why all the posturing now? What's happening? What is gearing up to to happen? I don't know, because since my little dabble into Hollywood, I learned that over 80% of the total investment in Hollywood production comes from China. 80% of the movie theaters, all AMC theaters, are owned by Dakin Wang from China. Uh, I've had people in Hollywood tell me that they've made a career in production and they've never seen a time when Hollywood, the establishment, would allow a foreign country to have such a dominant force in ownership. And then, you know, part of the Beck series really brings to light how China has infiltrated the education system and the um, Confucius Institute and, and what has happened all across this country. Not to mention, everybody wants to forget about this, but the guy's name was Lieberman, I'm sure. I have to look this up. But he was a researcher at... Harvard, I think. Yeah, it was Harvard, who ultimately is in prison today because they found out he was taking money illegally. No, he didn't take money illegally from China for his research. He took money, but he didn't report it because $80,000 a month was coming to him in cash, in brown bags, and they caught him not reporting it to the IRS. But you know what his project was? What's that? Building microchips that can be inserted into a brain. This guy just disappears. Nobody hears anything about it again. Charles Lieberman. Me, I am sure that was his name. Just telling me bedtime stories to go to sleep to. Like I'll rest peacefully at night. No. <laughs> or how about the fact that we have a congressman that was having relations with a Chinese spy. And he's still a congressman. And he's still a congressman. That's cool. Or how about everyone's favorite television show, Yellowstone? It's got Chinese ties also, doesn't it? China, uh, well, Yellowstone has a tie to uh, Sheridan. What's his name? Sheridan. Taylor, Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan and Thomas Toll. And Thomas Toll actually sold his movie making business to Dakin Wang, who I was talking about earlier. So clearly there's a tie. Awesome. Just so great. If anything, and I, and I and in my heart believe that the entire Teton Ridge, uh, mm -hmm. Thomas Toll, Yellowstone is an infiltration of the heart, body, and soul of rural America. 
Yeah. I believe I, it's announced this week, Amanda, that that same outfit has just purchased the Cowboy Channel. You don't often render me speechless, Trent, but stuff like this is so troubling to me. And I don't know where this country is headed. If, I mean, if our borders are insecure and if everyone can just flood in here and do whatever, pursue whatever agendas they have. And it's like, who is leading the ship here? What is America going to look like in 50 years? Is it even going to be here? I, I just, it's, it's just so troubling. And I know I'm not the only one that feels that way where it's just like, wow. That's where we're at. All right. So clearly the rest of this time, we need to remind ourselves that the reason we do what we do is to steer the ship and that it has gone awry mm -hmm. and that it's in the end we win. What we're trying to do is minimize the negative impact through the rest of the time. And that's exactly what Dr. Eric Naputi and I talked about last night and the end we win, but yeah. the impact of people along the way, it's not yeah. going to be pretty. When I, I think it's important to note, this is exhausting for people. This is the, the constant barrage of bad news and terrible. It's, it impacts people mentally, emotionally, spiritually, physically, it, and it takes its toll. And, and so I know people go back and forth from, I got to fight. I got to do something to, well, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And when I get into that state where I'm like, what am I going to do? I just have to keep my nose to the grindstone and mind my own business. I say, no. Because if I don't do something now, if you and I don't do something now to change our systems, to create new, to create new economies that exist outside of this corruption, we are leaving these battles for our kids and grandkids. And I can't think of a worse gift to give my children. I can give them all the love in the world, but if they can't live in a free country, I mean, I've, I haven't done my job, have I? So is this the kind of... Uh... I love this John Wayne quote. <laughs> Life is hard. It's harder if you're stupid. Uh, is this the kind of positive in, um, response you're going to give to the Iowa cattlemen today in Altoona at the casino? You know, I'm going to try to make people smile more than I make them mad, but we'll give them. <laughs> it's, uh, it's always a surprise what comes out of my mouth sometimes when I get on stage. Who knows? But I'm very much looking forward to speaking at the Iowa Cattlemen's. This will be my 51st event for the year with one more to go if I can get home by Saturday. And uh, okay. I'm very, very thankful for every opportunity. I want a final thing. I want a commitment to going to give 50% of your sales of that one book, Faith, Family, and Freedom to the All-American Beef Battalion this day alone. I heard today? Yeah, just today. I'll do 100% today. There you so go. Look at that. Everybody will buy it. Or go to amandaradke.com if you're not going to be in Altoona, Iowa, or across the street at the Big Steer. We have successfully journeyed down the road. I need to get a go get a gift certificate for 50 bucks for the Big Steer for that little plug. We've journeyed down the road connecting rural and urban America for Amanda Radke, Trent Lewis, both of us reminding you that all roads do lead to a rural route. And finally today, we want to talk about the Wall of Honor. TheWallOfHonor.org is a place to go to get information, see how we are paying tribute to those individuals, the first responders, the veterans of this nation, and how this monitor system, you think about the wall, you think about some either permanent wall or moving wall, this is different. This is innovative. This is yesterday. No, it's not yesterday. It's tomorrow. That's what I meant to say. 
It's a monitor and a place of business. And every place that I've been, these monitors are running with the locals and talking about them. It's captivating. Thewallofhonor.org.